Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. To get that cough out of the way before we got going here. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. We'll get going in just a couple of minutes. I was going to say, um, in my neighborhood in Mansfield, um, all the houses were built in like 1938, and they're they're all very unique. But there's some of them that are really big and palatial and super awesome. Um, and I always send the listing home to my friends in New York because I'm originally from New York, and say, look what you could get for 350 thousand. Which in, in New York it would be like probably 800 thousand. I mean, it's they're gorgeous, big stairways, grand halls, and um, lots of windows. So yeah, built-ins. Um, and they just say, but yeah, it's Mansfield, Ohio, Amy. So no. <laughs> I, think, I think I can positively say that I regret ever selling any home I've ever owned. Ever. Right. I, you could be I wish I had just, Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, I wish I just held them. Held, and I was told so many times, I'm in this business. I was told so many times, never sell property. Just keep it. Just keep it. And I did it anyway. So. Well, like at some point in time. All right. Mm -hmm. Afternoon. I think we'll get going here. Good afternoon, everyone. This is the last week in mortgage today. I am Faith Howard Mooney from TMC, and I have with me today Jeremy Davis, who is the president of mortgage at Southern Bank Corp Bank. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to have you, a new lender member, into our network. So he's a brave one, guys. He uh, has been in our network, I think, two months now, maybe, and you hopped on board and you're ready to do this with us. So we appreciate that. Listen, I'm thrilled to be here. And I think I, I'm going to be the poster child of using TMC resources because uh, I have literally had every, I, I think, every demo from every partner company. <laughs> and I've read more contracts in the last 60 days than I have in the last 10 years. So so this this is the this is the this is fun stuff here. I'm very happy to be speaking with you, Faith. So there's a reason why you've been, you know, listening to a lot of demos and signing a lot of contracts. Um, because not only are you new to your position at Southern Bank Corp, but mortgage is kind of like a new thing to Southern Bank Corp. So you want to share with us a little bit about what you're doing over there. Yeah, sure. So Southern Bank Corps, for those that are not aware, uh, we are a uh, certified CDFI, uh, Community Development Financial Institution. And for over 30 years, they've been providing wealth building resources to underserved communities. Um, and uh, we're headquartered in Arkansas. Uh, I am personally in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but what, why, the reason I am here today and in, in, in my role as president of mortgage with Southern Bank Corps is we are expanding our retail mortgage capacity uh, in our footprint, which is Arkansas, Mississippi, as well as several expansion markets that have already taken us uh, with team members in Memphis, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I live, Northwest Georgia, including Atlanta, and then Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, so all of those contracts I've been reading have been LOS, POS, credit resources, you know, every vendor service that you could possibly imagine. Uh, if I haven't talked to you already, I'm probably not going to because I can't read anymore. <laughs> but it's been a super exciting time. Uh, you know, what we do at Southern 
uh, it's really mission-driven work. So the, the, the Southern Bank Corps Mortgage Division will focus on helping to bridge the homeownership gap for minority families in, in and around our footprint. Uh, it's a passion of mine and, and the team that I consider my wolf pack, you know, mortgage we travel in wolf packs, but my wolf pack is equally uh, uh, passionate about this purpose and, 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 and we're having a good time building out infrastructure and getting prepared uh, to, to launch ourselves into, into all of these markets that I just mentioned. So happy for you and you're surrounding yourself. Um, I met one of your team members at MBA annual and Philly. you're surrounding yourself with a really great group of people. We are very, very happy to have you within the TMC family for sure kind of led us into like a good first topic. So for those of you who didn't have the opportunity to be in Philadelphia, they have uh, DEI awards um, at MBA annual every year. And I'm so excited. I wanted to give a big shout out to a couple of people in our network who were recipients of those awards. So the Market Outreach Strategies Award um, for a company was given to Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. And so, um, so excited. We've had great participation from Atlantic Bay in our network. So many people from the company are known within network. If there's anybody on here, we're clapping for you, happy for you. Um, we, are, we are. Congratulations, Atlantic Bay Mortgage. This is probably my favorite uh, DNI award that MBA gives out, not only because I was. I was fortunate enough to be a part of a team that received this award uh, back in 2020. But the reason I love this award is it really is about this 360 view uh, of developing outreach and marketing and products and programs that not only help the communities you're trying to serve, but but they help the your internal team understand why it's so important to have these outreach programs in place. So kudos, bravo to Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Uh, it's just so excited and happy for them that the smart path, smart path uh, program. I know you're going to talk a little bit about that, so I'll, I won't steal your thunder. But it's just super impressive. Yeah, and so I did not know this term before, but a limited English proficient program, La Badia, La Badia. Do I have that La right? Bahia. La Badia, La La Badia. There you go. That sounds. Sounds better. Um, but yeah, and so that's part of, you know, the Smart Path program is um, diverse com- consumer bases, um, meeting the needs of those um, that have uh, Spanish as their first language. Yeah, um, yeah it's, so- it's really lovely. Uh, and, it, and again, it's based in education outreach. It's so important. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that that companies, that all of us have this responsibility to be out in the streets with communities we're trying to serve and understanding where they're coming from. So, so again, bravo. Yep. And so then also, in addition to that, um, uh, for the Market Outreach Strategies Award for a non-lender member was iEmergent. And so many of you in network know um, Laird and Bernard Nasuli, they have been with us for a long time um, and have been working in, you know, this segment of the industry, uh, Laird's dad, who happens, has to be like so proud in watching um, her from above, um, 
has to be so proud of what she's done because she really carried on his mission from like well before this was ever a thing that you would try to do. And it's all about housing, housing equality, housing, housing equality for everyone. So yeah. big shout out to to iEmergent as well. And then big thing- shout out. Big shout I agree, Faith. Big shout out to Laird and Bernard. You know, this this is a company that's been around for for a little while now, doing amazing work, all based in data and knowledge. Uh, I always love to say, uh, and, and I firmly believe, to help we must first learn, uh, and that enables us to show up for our communities. And and what uh, I Emergent has done and continues to do is giving us all of the capacity that we need to do exactly that. So so proud of that. Well, well said. Um, moving on to other things that happened there, MBA's forecast um, would love, you know, this is an interactive thing. So people on here, whether you were there or not, and you've heard the forecast, we would love to hear like how you feel about this forecast, whether you feel, um, you know, it's, it's really what's going to happen. There's a lot of opinions out there right now. So Joel Kahn, who is the deputy chief economist for the MBA, um, detailed at a secondary or MBA annual um, that they really expected rates to decline, um, down decreasing gradually, reaching the fives by 2025. Um, that decline was projected to increase volume to 1.95 trillion in 2024, 2.25 trillion in 2025, which if you look at it from a percentage basis, that's 19% um, the first year, uh, bringing it up to, I think, 30% in total. Um, Would love to know for me um, and where we're at right now with all of the unknowns, I felt like it was maybe optimism at its best. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not optimistic enough. Michael Koontz, I'm glad I'm in good company. Um, yeah, and I heard some things from other people while there too. Um, what do you think, Jeremy? I know that yeah. you're a growing entity yourself, but what do you think overall industry? You know, I, I do think uh, it, it's highly optimistic, especially based on actual uh, action being taken um, uh, at multiple levels. Um, you know, I think I, I can, as a mortgage guy, I can speak, I would love to see that come to fruition, but but in my opinion, you know, it just, first of all, 2025 is great, but that's still too far away. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the action uh, that's being taken to mitigate inflation uh, is really pile drive on the it's pile driving on the backs of the lowest uh, among us. It is the least fortunate um, uh, in our country that are paying the the highest price uh, for both inflation and these increased interest rates. Home affordability uh, is not there. This is affecting low to moderate income folks and communities of colors in much higher numbers uh, than should be acceptable. Um, uh, and, and so I would say this is great. It's highly optimistic. But what are we doing right now uh, to help with the pain? Uh, what are we doing right now uh, to help with the targeting of our industry as a whole? 
uh, almost as a singular focus of assisting with um, in, in you know battling back inflation. I, I really think it's time for us to come up with some more creative act action oriented plans that can provide some more immediate relief. 2025 is a long way away for families who are struggling uh, and who need to, to be able to purchase homes now. There's a lot of things we were talking before we started this call. Sometimes our really great conversations happen before the call starts and gets recorded, but we were kind of talking about affordability in housing, you know, in the neighborhoods that that we live in and, and what is um, affordable and what isn't and the outrageous prices. I mean, in the community that I live in, you, you can't buy anything anymore that doesn't, the first number is a five. And I'm in a under 2000 square foot townhome. Um, you know, it, it's like the cost of everything is, is so outrageous to the point that it's really limited people from even people have given up. I feel like, which I think is a sad statement for um, the world that we live in. And one of the things that we were talking about that kind of leads us into, you know, our next conversation, one of the things we were talking about is how all of these little things impact everything else. It's like, it's not a singular thing. There are multiple things um, that are giving impact. And so one of the things that's been in the news quite a bit um, is the ability to have an ADU on your property. So um, there was some, there were some things that happened, which, you know, may help some people, but I'm not sure that they affect a large number of people. And I'm not sure they affect the right people. Um, right. But maybe, maybe they do. Again, maybe that's my sense of optimism has gone out the door a little bit. Um, but uh, Sarah Edelman, who we met with in June when we were in um, the D.C. area, announced that you can at uh, MBA Annual announced that you can count 75 percent of your estimated ADU rental when evaluating a mortgage application. Um the environment I live in doesn't have a lot of ADUs. I know California is one place that does. I know there are some other places that do as well. Um, so in that same, in this last week as well, um, Governor Gavin Newsom um, repealed an earlier ban on the sale of accessory dwelling units. Um, so they're calling them mini condos. Um, we need it. we need another term, you know. We need another term. And so far, most of our condos needed to to have a cat a classification of mini. Uh, <laughs> I live in Nashville, and I, some of these nine hundred square foot places <laughs> they're getting smaller and smaller. So now now we have minis. Minis. Now we have minis. Apparently, um, it's the new term for uh what do they call them the small dwelling they're the small tiny homes. Yeah. Tiny, yeah, tiny homes so they're calling them mini condos now um there are no specific rules however this is where it you know when yeah. you get into details it's like when you dig into it a little bit get into the details there are no specific rules on how to convert an adu into a condo that's going to be left up to every single municipality which i just feel like when that happens that's like disastrous because then when you're trying to do a mortgage on that property and every municipality can make up the rules about what is done the right way. I mean, it has not only an impact on financing and who's going to, you know, take that loan eventually, 
But then how are appraisers appraising those? I mean, they have to know the guidelines of every single municipality when they're looking at those. Um, We're going to have to have comps. Uh, What is a comp? Is a comp another ADU that has been converted into a condo and sold? And then what do you do in the beginning? Because appraisals are historical. So Mm -hmm. it's raised all of these other flags when I started, you know, thinking about this. The other thing is, is will local officials really participate? Because if they choose not to participate, then their municipality loses out. Or, you know, is there enough stress Mm -hmm. or pressure? To yeah. create scene that that they would, I don't know. Yeah, and are we really creating accessibility? Um, if, uh, it, especially in a state like California, that's so huge. If if every local municipality has to opt in, if you will, and then create their own rules again, we're talking about more time, time invested, more time to come up with the rules, more time to make the rules effective. And then you look at how much can this really help? I, I personally believe every little bit helps. You have to do what you can. But when you look at California, um, and I think you gave me some of this information before our poll today, you know, 10.6 10, 10. million residential housing units in the state of California. But in the past three years, three years, only 45,000 ADU uh, permits were issued. Uh, in California. that That is just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Um, so when we say every little bit helps, we are really talking about a little bit here. Um, so, uh, uh, b- but also something that, that it's just going to take so much time and, 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 uh, and so many hoops for local municipalities, appraisals, mortgage companies, you do wonder, will this help? And if so, when, at what point in the future does it make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, when I started like breaking down the numbers from the top and then you take out, okay, how many of those are going to not participate? I wondered if maybe, because it it was very clear in stating that um, it was building permits that were applied for. And I do know, because my background was in appraisal, that you would run across units all the time that were not permitted. Mm. Um, but then you know, then my mind went down the path of, well, maybe it's a way for counties to go to get more individuals to actually have permitted properties. But then there's there's a revenue upstream for the county or municipality on that one, however it works in California. Um, but there's also an additional cost then um, yep. related to the permits and in related to um, you know, what are the cost of permits in relation to if they're only going to rent that property to then does that make rent more expensive for right, somebody right. to find housing? So my mind went down a number, um, a number of, of those different paths. Yeah. Um, and in a state and, you know, to just, you know, hang your hat on a positive note in a state where, there, you know, at least millions of housing units short of the the current need. Uh, it's certainly great news that that are not only are we seeing GSEs uh, accepting of this, but we're seeing FHA underwriting now recognizing the need for this and anticipating using uh, ADU rental income and qualification. Uh, so I think across the board, it's good news. Um, it's just really hard to quantify when this good news is is going to be helpful. What, what when is the impact? When does it become impactful? When does it become impactful? 
Yeah. And who, who does it become impactful for? That was my other question. It's like, are we, are we going to be servicing the, the right, the right people in this? And I think as we had talked about, it's like all of these little incremental incremental things that kind of all relate to each other that are all impacting each other kind of moves us into the next topic of conversation, which is rising debt. Mm, Um, And and, and my opinion is, is I don't think that anybody should be surprised that debt is rising. I mean, we're in a different environment than what we were during the pandemic. People were getting additional, you know, funds, surplus funds that has went away. Um, I, the cost of goods and food and all of those other things hasn't really went down and housing prices have increased. To me, that's the equation for. I mean, this, this is like, it's almost the perfect storm, right? I mean, housing, housing, uh, housing expensive has, has skyrocketed, rents are skyrocketing, interest rates uh, are, are so much higher. I mean, there is no surprise that that in an environment where housing expenses are costing so much more than they were even just a few years ago that consumer debt is rising and rising and rising uh, I, I mean i think this is this is i mean we saw this coming a mile away when interest rates started going up but even prior to that during the pandemic uh when there's just this massive increase of uh uh, uh well acceleration of equity uh, in home ownership and 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 home pricing, housing prices uh, going up, rents going up. Um, you know, there I feel like you got a little bit of a honeymoon period before what we see today, which is just uh, you know uh, rising debt across the board. Yeah, the perfect storm. That term scares me a little bit, but it seems like every day that we go down this path, it seems like it is a little bit more that way. Um, yeah. Kind of. Surprisingly, um, which I guess I shouldn't have been, but I didn't really think about it this way. The Sunbelt states are the places that that are seeing the highest debt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is, is rising populations into those areas. A lot of people have decided if I can work from anywhere, I'm going to work where the sun shines, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. where it's rainy and cold outside and we're in. 50 degree weather already. Um, so there's a study that's out there. It's the US, the US states most impacted by household debt in 2023. Um, so Florida, Utah, Arizona, Colorado, Nevada um, have the most elevated mortgage and credit card burdens right now. And and particularly the place that you don't want to see it the most. Um, in lower income households. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. As we mentioned before, I, I think across the board in all this news, uh, it's impossible to ignore the, the, the vast, the vast, um, uh, you know, pro- the, the vast proportion of what we are seeing is that low income families, they carry this burden in a way that none of the rest of our communities do. Communities of color carry this burden in a way that other communities just don't. Um, so so as we work through all of all of our action plans to to try to, you know, help our industry come out of this and, and increase the ability and affordability of, of housing. Uh, we really need to be focused first on exactly uh, what you just mentioned, low wealth households, low income households, communities of color. I mean, this is the future of our industry. 
and so if we don't take action there first, uh, we're gonna. This is gonna. This is gonna drag on for many, many more years than we all want. It's the future of our industry, and I feel pretty strongly. It's like the future of our country. I mean, we it, have that are like struggling to put food on the table for their families, and um, you know have kids kids especially it it tears me up that to think that the kids in in households are you know they just don't get the same start that that other kids do and many of us are so blessed um same or, or the same finish if you think about you know much later in life when it's time to go to college what type of college how they afford college all of that depends on whether or not their family had the privilege of owning their home and building equity in that home yeah, the whole generational wealth issue for sure um, and how that impacts. One of the things, though, that I do think that we need to kind of uh, change and change a thought process about came out in this article and just how something something was phrased. Um, and it just kind of hit me a little bit wrong. It said in households in the Rust Belt, the South, the Plain States so, show more restraint in credit card spending. Well, I don't see it as I mean, maybe there is some of that that's just restraint. But I don't think the impact on this is whether somebody wants to incur debt a good portion of the time. They're incurring debt to be able to survive. Um, and so yeah. that kind of hit me a little bit wrong when I read that. It's like, I don't think it's a matter of restraint a good percentage of the time. And that's just my personal opinion. I think a lot of it right now is survival. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think in those places where, where, as you mentioned, population growth happened during the pandemic, which equaled, you know, soaring home prices, uh, it, it, you know, it, it, this, this is all tied together, right? It's, it's not a big surprise that those are also the places that, that we see larger credit card debt growth. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think this is, this is about res personal responsibility and restraint. This is about, uh, survival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, it's like the it is a unified thing, though, because everywhere except for the state of New York, um, household debt has increased. And so it's it's an everywhere it's an everywhere problem, but it is definitely exacerbated in some parts of the um, country more than others. Um yeah. Let's talk about something that um, that uh, thanks Mike Mike popped a, a note in there um, with a link to an article from the Washington Post. Um, thanks for doing that, Mike. We'll we'll pull that up here and look at it. Um, uh, Freddie Mac repurchases. Good news for people. We've had a number of lender members in our network that have been dealing with repurchases. I imagine that in your past you've dealt with some of those yourself. Um, it does appear that Sandra Thompson, and I've always said this, and I am definitely a fan of hers, that because she has a mortgage background, is trying to listen to people and hear, you know, what they're saying. But she is exploring repairing defective yet performing loans. She wants the industry to explore that in a different way than repurchase demands. Um, Bravo. Like, that, that's taking action, right? I mean, I know at this point it's exploratory. It's not a decision yet, but that's taking action. And, and, and for me, I go right back to the same theme, which is this helps those that need the help the most. 
too, right? If this relief on lenders provides the ability for lenders to help more people in the future, it, it really is a win-win. And I, I hope that this uh, exploration uh, ends positive results soon. I think we all do. I think we all do. Anybody that's been involved in the repurchase process, not only is it a big tap of time, but there's a huge expense involved in any um, repurchase. And we've heard from a lot of our members that, you know, their repurchases being generated on performing loans. Well, why, why are we doing that process? I mean, the question is really why. So hopefully um, it's something that we did talk with her in June when we were um, in her office. It's obviously that she's heard it from, you know, obviously we're not going to take credit for that, but um, she's heard it from a lot of, a lot of people. I'm sure that it, it's just a burden. And for some of our smaller lenders, one repurchase can, you know, have a dramatic effect on their business, which right. equates to helping, helping other people for sure. Um, the other thing that I thought was really positive um, is that, um, Freddie Mac um, issued a statement that, or not really issued a statement. I can't say that. They made a suggestion. So there was a hint out there, um, something dangled out there that maybe lenders with great records of not having a huge number of repurchases might just um, escape that. They called it the repurchase guillotine, which I thought was kind of funny. I mean, if we need another term, we need a funny one, right? Um, That's right. <laughs> so the repurchase yeah, we love an illustrative example in our business right yeah 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 that, that's like is a good one so yeah so um we're one minute away from the bottom of the hour so i'm gonna i want you to um you're such a great motivator uh in just the short period of time you've been in i know that we knew each other before but that you've been in the tmc family um give us give us like Give us the hope that you can always give people because you're really good at that. So tell us what you're going to be doing there that is going to impact the people in your communities. Uh, you know, I am filled with hope. It's a, it's a rough time right now, but I think that what we see across the board in our industry is, is so many thought leaders, some for the first time stepping up. Uh, and it's shocking that they're stepping up for the first time because they have these, these in-depth uh, uh, abilities to portray messages and to inspire action and activity. Um, and, and I'm inspired every day by sometimes simple things, just posts that I read on LinkedIn uh, about, about mortgage industry professionals, many of them uh, TMC members who have this passion to do the right thing for not only their companies and the longevity of our industry, but for individual originators who are out there on the streets trying to impact the lives of families um, every single day. Um, so the thing that 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 we plan to do at Southern Bank Corps with our mortgage team is we're going to make our mortgage team look exactly like the communities we serve. Uh, right now, you know, eight over eighty percent of our mortgage team is is uh, is female. Uh, over half of them are members of minority communities, uh, and those are the communities that we want to be a part of. That we want to, that we want to be assisting in homeownership. And I know this is shared, you know, across the board in such broad scale in our industry. It really is a source of pride and hope for me uh, to see uh, the adoption of so many uh, wonderful policies and uh, and really modern strategies 
to increasing the American dream of home ownership. So uh, I'll just finish with another shout out uh, uh, to the MBA awards, uh, 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 MBA DNI award recipients, Atlantic Bay and I Emergent. Just so proud to uh, to see that happen uh, to such deserving organizations. Absolutely. Absolutely. That seems like just the greatest way to end. Um, thank you, Jeremy. We love having you um, as part of our TMC family. I always love to talk with you. We could probably talk for hours about almost anything. So appreciate that as well. Um, Especially over a bourbon. Especially over which you need to come to Louisville. Louisville, March 23rd or 24th to 26th is our next conference. I hope that we will be sharing a bourbon and talking about all of the great things that have happened, not only um, in our industry, but for your group as well. So we appreciate having you with us today. Join us next week, everyone. At the same time, appreciate y'all. Thanks. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.